The following views and opinions expressed on Joy Has Questions podcast are not to be confused and or affiliated with any other corporations, companies, businesses, LLCs, and any other acronym that you can possibly think of. Basically, these are my own opinions on my own platform. And now everybody, let's get on with the show. Hey, good people. It's your girl Joy Has Questions, dropping some new fire for you all to listen to for the week. Starting with, you guessed it, you better know. This week, you better know I am celebrating the life and accomplishments of the Honorable Robert Urberton Terrell, who is the second African-American to serve as a Justice of the Peace in Washington, D.C., He had this appointment as a judge to the District of Columbia Municipal Court by President William Howard Taft and was one of the four African-American men appointed to the high office and considered Taft's black cabinet. He was also reappointed by Democratic Woodrow Wilson. We're going to get into him later. Basically, the Honorable Terrell was born in Orange, Virginia, November 27, 1857. His family moved to D.C. in 1865 after the end of the Civil War and emancipation. His father worked for the prominent businessman, George Washington Riggs, and then also he served as the personal valet for General Ulysses S. Grant. So these were connections that aided his son in his education and later career. See how your parents be looking out for you? He was educated in public schools in D.C. and then attended the private preparatory Groton School in Groton, Massachusetts. He was later admitted to Harvard University where he graduated as one of the seven magna cum laude scholars in 1884. He also began studying law at Howard University and then received his degree in 1889. He was a part of the group that founded the American Negro Academy, And then also, he remained active among the scholars, editors, and activists of this first major African-American learned society. So this is what I find is so amazing about him. He not only, you know, was an instructor as well as someone who was very well-versed in the law, he also worked to refute racist scholarships and then also to promote black claims to individual, social, and political equality. So what I loved about him is the fact that through it all, he always was about equity, always making sure that we had a fair shot in this justice system, which we know is not for people of color. It is two separate laws. It was around 1896 that, you know, as a lawyer, as very, you know, a very prominent businessman, that Terrell started to see the issues that were happening within the African-American community. They were attaining high-ranking political positions, but they couldn't achieve greater civil rights for African-Americans. So basically hitting that glass ceiling, being told, you know, yes, you're just our Turkey Negro. We really just need you for, you know, show benefit or for being that black unicorn, but we don't need you to actually evoke change. So in 1911, he was appointed by the newly elected President Taft to the Municipal Court of the District of Columbia. And then he also was reappointed by President Theodore Roosevelt, and then also Democratic Woodrow Wilson. So what I thought was so incredible about this, Woodrow Wilson is noted as bringing the most racist propaganda film um, that celebrated the Ku Klux Klan, Birth of a Nation, bringing that to the actual White House to be seen. He credited it as being one of the most amazing feats uh, of science and arts and our history that he had ever seen. And it was completely based in the dehumanization of African-Americans. I think it's something to be said that this is literally the first piece of visual media that is technically has to be in the Library of Congress because it is historic. But I really think it shows the premise of what this country was built on, as well as what our ancestors, people like Robert Herberton Terrell, had to deal with really being around something so close and so visceral that was so disrespectful to the African-American community. So also looking at like further on in his life in 1899, he returned to M Street High School as the principal, but he did have to leave in 1901 for another federal appointment. And then in 1911, he was appointed to a faculty position at Howard University Student School of Law while he was serving as a judge. So it's amazing that even in February of 1911, he also became a part of the Sigma Pi Phi 
fraternity. And this was an organization that he continued to be a chapter member of until his death. So looking at his life overall, he continued to push for African-Americans' rights. He continued to persevere. No, he was not the first African-American who was appointed to a judge position, but looking at how he continued to be a trailblazer for us is something that definitely is worth celebrating. So kudos to you, King, and thank you for all that you did for our people. Hey everybody, it's your girl Joy Has Questions, and you already know what time it is. It's time for Geeked Up. I have my girl here, No Way She Codes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so happy to be talking to her. It has been quite a last couple of few weeks. Like, there's been a lot of dope um, gaming related, tech related things happening for us to go up for. So, girl, put me on game because you already know I'm going to get hella judgment. No Everyone's going to be. Today, today we're going to come at a no judgment free zone. I have forgiven you for all the things you have not watched. <laughs> and we're going to let go and let God. Okay, so, that's, that's just fine. what it is. So, um, the topic for today, we are going to discuss kind of the black actors and actresses that are now going into major roles that were either predominantly held um, by white counterparts or were just not as big roles, you know, that they weren't known before. So it must be exciting. So the first one I'm going to talk about, everybody knows this role, actually. Um, I would love to talk about Blade and how, oh, I know, right? And how, okay, well, how do you say his name again? Mahershala Ali. Thank you. And how Mahershala Ali was casted for Blade. And I think that's a really big deal. I mean, what people don't know is when Blade first came out, that was one of Marvel's um, Cinematic Studios' biggest hits. It was. One of the first ones to ever come out. So it's kind of... Big ups to Wesley Snipes. Right? So it's kind of dope to continue that chain and see, like, how are they going to revamp the story? You know, how are they going to continue Snipes' legacy? Um, I think Ali is the perfect person to kind of... Uh, continue this legacy because I feel like he is so diverse and this is also his third Marvel project you can hear it too huh I didn't know if it was gonna like bounce back on the record Um, so this is his third Marvel project a lot of people don't know that either his first he was in Luke Cage on Netflix Um, second he played the Prowler in Into the Spider-Verse even though you haven't seen that either. Okay, so um, really? Who um, knew that? You're so shady. <laughs> I did. I knew. I knew. We're supposed, well, to be, we're supposed to be supporting the black arts, and that was a great movie. Okay, so let me tell you this, number well, one. Can I finish the third movie that he was in? Oh, this is going to be his third movie, so this will be the third movie. Hey. You get to your point. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. So this will be his third Marvel project, and I think that's dope to have continued such partnership with the brand, because that's a big deal. Marvel's huge. Being under Disney is huge. Yeah. Disney's making money, so that's that's bomb. I think, and even just in terms of him and his accomplishments, um, even with like, I guess, the slight little controversy that even came up with him in Green Book, you know, he has always been to me just such a non-problematic actor. Like, he goes in, he acts, he loves on his wife, he, you know, kisses his baby, he minds his black ass business, and he champions for marginalized people. And he's fine. Oh, my God. The point is... I'm not going to talk about some woman's husband like this. The point is, he definitely is, I think, truly black excellence. So for there's no one else that I could possibly think of that I like think deserve this mantle, especially when you think about the story of Blade. Like, it's just like he's about to go off. Listen, first of all, I just want to say I'm a big like vampire geek. Mm. I think the only vampire chain that I was kind of like eh, about was um, Twilight. Underworld was mine. Underworld is my shit, bitch. Oh my god, I fucking rise love. of the lichen. I will watch That's all. I will I watch. I will watch the whole series beginning to end, like straight. The all entire the time. I movie. Love it. I love it. Will either make you have a seizure or be depressed as fuck because it's literally in gray or blue. Like yeah, honestly, or honestly. it pops a red. But when it's they, like the whole series they bring everything together. How everything ties back together. Lucian? Listen, Lucian, my nigga, he he a bad nigga. Lucian was so gangster with it. I can't like I lo- I just I love movies where it's like a the villain is to is to the point like they're about their business. The action is good. I just I just first of all love vampire movies, but Underworld that is my favorite. Vampire I always series. loved how the vampires truly were like boo. They were complete aristocratic. Assholes. Oh, they were uppity ass bitches. They were like, I'm sorry, girl. 
but we drink tea <laughs> and blood. Like okay. I don't. What's blood up? time is at twelve. Okay, <laughs> you were late. <laughs> like I, I love love that movie. But no, so getting back in terms of him carrying this, I think that's really dope. And then we, there's been a lot more revelations in terms of you know bomb ass actresses taking on new roles. So who's the yes, next? Yes, yes, yes. So the next one is Tiona Paris. She's um, so gorgeous. The last time I remember her, she played a role in Empire. I don't know who's seen Empire lately, but she was in Empire and she was playing a cop that actually Andre was actually like just imagining her. Like she wasn't actually real. Um, she had a really good role on there. She's been in a few other things. But what I'm really excited for is the character she's playing is named Monica Rambeau, who's the original Captain Marvel, Know Your History, in Blacks and Comics. Um, she's no longer under that name. They gave her some other bogus name. I never agree with it because I would just call her the real Captain Marvel. But she was the Captain Marvel before the white Captain Marvel. Um, and in the comics, she kind of gives up her name so that both of them can live in unison. What the fuck ever. Anyway, I'm excited because this is the first time that Monica Rambeau's story is going to be told outside of comics. Correctly. Um, this is not a movie. This will be a show. She'll be a part of the WandaVision show on Disney Plus when that drops. It's going to be a big deal. And what a lot of people don't know is they kind of set up her character um, in the Captain Marvel movie that just came out with Brie Larson. Can't stand her. Anyway, with Brie Larson that just came out, uh, there's a little black girl in there, and her name is Monica Rambeau, and it's supposed to set up for her to become this this character. And so it's kind of like the show's going to pick up into her adult life when she's older. I'm here for this. Um, which I'm really trying to figure out because, for example, in Avengers, when Avengers came out, Monica technically would be older. Like, she would be the age to be fighting crimes. Where the fuck was she? But we ain't got to talk about it. Um, give her her own roses. No, Just I'm yeah, her I want her, her to own. do her own thing, but I want her to get a movie. Like, I want her to get a movie. Hopefully, maybe, and, you know, maybe with the, the reaction or the response, like, they can build upon that. I definitely, like... She's the original Captain Marvel. I don't know how you can't right. build this off of her. So a lot of people just don't know that, which is frustrating. But it's, I, for example, it's like when Luke Cage kind of like ended, it really upset me because like Misty Knight on there is a really big black woman in comics as well. And I don't feel like they fully her, thought out her role the way it was supposed to go. And I know it ended early, but I was fighting for her. Aww. Okay, Damn. Um. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> but also speaking on Captain Marvel, um, in the movie her best friend which is monica's mom mm -hmm. which they're only best friends in the movie and comics they actually don't even know each other but anyway um her mom is played by oh jesus christ is not right now sorry i'm gonna re-say that line Ooh, okay, in the movie, her mom is played by Lashana Lynch. Anyway, so speaking of Lashana Lynch, uh, we're going to segue a little bit outside of the Marvel Universe and just into a classic movie series. Uh, Lashana Lynch has been casted as 007. Yes! And I think it's just super Bad dope because alert. we are breaking double barriers. Not only is she a woman, but she's a black woman. And this is coming after having all of the controversy when it was rumored that Idris Elba would be 007 now don't get me wrong i feel like he would have killed that role he still needs to like when they get tired of her he's still gonna be fine like he totally will slay as 007 yeah i think i think he would have been amazing but i'm still rooting for her i think uh because captain marvel was like one of her break her breakout roles so i'm really excited to see what she does as 007 she's gonna kick fucking ass she not only is she gonna kick ass i think it's just it's not even like it's it's something that should be this controversial mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, James Bond is a lie. The whole thing is he is just a British intelligence intelligence officer. That can be anybody. Just like Ariel's a mermaid. We're not going to talk about this again, but I'm just saying, you know, I woo child the ghetto, but just throwing that that's the there. thing that like, for me, when people get, you know, I rush Limbaugh years ago, actually he even weighed in and I couldn't stand that little, high systolic 142 over 90 i can't stand that man but the point is when he was like so up in arms i just feel that you know traditional characters should remain traditional i'm like what you're actually trying to say is you don't give a fuck about anybody else being represented having any sort of positivity or seeing any sort of representation in their life just as long as you can continue to be comfortable and happy and everything revolves around you like she is going to do a phenomenal job. I really want to see how they do this transition from Daniel Craig to her. But overall, I just think like it is high time and I'm all the way here for it. Mm. 
So, yeah, I mean, we are out here breaking barriers. And I'm excited for these projects to come up. They should be releasing starting, I think, 2020 and later. Maybe 2021. So it's going to be some time. But uh, super dope to see kind of where this goes and where they take their characters. Because I think it's going to be some next level shit. I will be sure to show you my ticket stubs for everything. With the exception of the Captain Marvel TV show. But TV I, show, it's not a TV show. I thought it would be. No, not Captain Marvel. It's Marvel. It's called WandaVision. It's that's not a television. It scene? is, but it's not. Oh, you're saying? Oh, you're calling her Captain Marvel? I got it. Sorry, I was confused. Don't send to me. <gasps> see, see, you you're were right. ready to you're jump right. on me. See how I we was. do each other. Well, anyhow, that's been enough of geek duff for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and we will holla at you next week. Holla. Hello, everybody. It's your girl Joy has questions. And I look, I'm ready to get inspired. My day ain't gone self. Like, I have the founder and creator of not only Epic Fab Girl, but the amazing Go Getter Conference, which just took place last weekend. I am so, so happy to have Candace Janae here with me tonight. Hi, girl. Hey, girl. That's yes. such a lovely intro. Thank you. I do my best. I'm like, you got to hype people up, especially yes. when it's their brand. So, so, so happy to have you on the show. Like, even the way this came together, doing a, a nice little session with you, literally, I think, like, a year and a half ago yeah. um, with my friend Kelsey Riley and then my other good girlfriend, Trish, calling, just saying, like, hey, I think you might really like this person. I'm like, I do like her because her brand is bomb and she's about black women empowerment. So here we are now. I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you so much. I love stories like that. You know, it's full circle. I think there definitely is a wave within Chicago. I know we're going to talk about this a little later, but just in the sense of like black millennial women really coming together, really like encouraging one another. So trying to change that narrative. You know, we are not angry, mean, like we have our stuff together. No, I love it. And I I looked over the questions and I know yes. I'm excited for that question. <laughs> <laughs> Number six is coming. Yes. <laughs> but no, so like, let's just jump right into it. You know, me doing my due diligence, doing my research. You clearly are regarded as like one of the top movers and shakers in the city. No, definitely. Like you have such a positive, you know, energy and aura about yourself. But when it comes to like black women empowerment and also um, inserting God as, as the core of your brand, something that at times, like, you don't necessarily see done unless it's, like, a Dana Chanel, you know, or, like, um, couples, if you will. How did you start this? Like, how did your journey begin? That's such an interesting question. So when I got in here today, I told you that I did my hair, right? Right. So I'm sitting here with braids in my head because I literally have been braiding hair since I was in the fourth grade. And, like... My entry into entrepreneurship was actually through um, a hair extensions company that I started when I was an undergrad. And um, when I moved back to Chicago, I had so many women from Chicago that was like buying from me. Um, but I also liked empowering women. So I had this grand idea of hosting these women empowerment events through my hair extensions company. Wow. So I started hosting events. This was back in like 2014. Uh, We had this event called the Epic Tea Party. And then that turned into um, actually when I was working in corporate and ended up fizzling out. But I had this audience of women that were like interested in bettering themselves. And, you know, they had all these inspirational dreams. And so I found myself trying to find events like that. So that were, you know, empowering women, and one of the things that I would say is that when I went to events, they were either church events or they were like, you know, women empowerment events. The thing that I found was that for a lot of the women empowerment events, they were kind of, they were very motivational, which mm-hmm. was good. And it, it was inspirational, but it didn't give me any tactical, you know, guidance. A on plan how of action. To, no type of plan <laughs> like, of action. It was like, we're going to brunch, we're going to enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. And this is it. But I thought something really powerful happens when you actually share information and you help other women elevate. So how I kind of got started with Epic Fab Girl um, was in helping women, I would say, from the event space thing was helping Christian women Mm -hmm. kind of merge this world of going after your purpose, quote unquote, 
um, and actually figuring out how to get there. Cause I saw, you know, all these, Oh, I'm a boss babe, or, you know, I'm self-made, but it's like, I don't really think that way. So I wanted to create a space for women, um, that were Christian that also had like ambitions, but also wanted to learn. So I wanted to merge these worlds of actually taking action because, you know, in the Christian world, you're not just praying all day. Like (laughs) this purpose that we talk about, how are you going to, there's Pursue still it. bills that need to be paid. <laughs> I love Jesus, but heaven does not have an ATM. The world does. <laughs> okay. Exactly. So, um, and not even, that's one thing that I love in, in the sense of unpacking your brand and looking at it, and especially something I believe um, Extra Jordy, uh, basically behind like that amazing cake brand. Yeah. I think she was the young lady that said it, but you can be Christian and be comfortable. Like you don't yep. have to be broke. You know, it's, it's to me a thing of matter of making sure you're not compromising on those principles in Absolutely. order to get what you want. So I, I really love the fact that your brand is, is showing like you need business acumen. You still need to figure out like, how do I take this God given talent and you know what I know is my destiny and now actually put equity into it and add that. So I love the fact that your brand actually like, has those two points. Yeah. Um, and prayer is good. Like still. Prayer is good. And prayer is needed. It's going to be needed to, you know, keep going when it comes to entrepreneurship. But I, still to this day, I don't see a ton of brands doing it. And I haven't seen a ton of them do it specifically for women. Right. And the ones that I have seen do it have been more recent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I love the fact of how, how you actually leveraged you know, something, not a want, I'm sorry, black women getting their hair done or women period getting their hair done. That is a necessity. Yes. Like, we will balance the light bill and a wig because we need to look good. Effortlessly. Who is going to be out here looking pop? I'm not walking outside my house looking like I lost Isaiah. It's just not going to happen. So I love the fact of how, you know, you started with your actual business and then it morphed into something else. But when did you actually, you know, decide like, okay, from 2014, like, huh, maybe I can turn this into a legit conference. Like that take, that's a lot of logistical undertaking to do. Yeah, that's interesting. So immediately when I started Epic Fab Girl, I wasn't really thinking of hosting events Mm -hmm. or like I didn't, I knew I wanted to host women empowerment conferences. But like you said, like my business evolved as I evolved and my ideas evolved. So 2014, um, I had, I think 2015 was when I had an event under my hair extensions company. And then by 2016, I had to launch this blog, which was Epic Fab Girl. When I launched that, it wasn't really business focused at that point. I just said I wanted to help women go after their dreams fearless. One of the things that I did with um, as an entrepreneur is I surveyed my audience. Mm. I surveyed the people that come to me. And so a lot of them were like, how do I get started in a business? How do I start a blog? How do I make money from a blog? These were the questions that people were asking. So I was like, okay, clearly I have this thing of faith and business. So helping women um, start in that area. Um, And so I think that was 2016 when I launched the blog. And then 2017, God had given me this idea of the conference. And I always had dreams of hosting a large conference, but I never I just kept putting it off. Mm -hmm. And so I actually planned the conference for, I think, September 2017. It didn't work out. And then I quit my job in September 2017. And that's when I had the time to really, like, say, I'm going to focus and and launch this conference. So it ended up launching of March 2018. But it was just so much work behind the scenes. And you hear so many no's up front. Like, I literally just looked at a journal, like, yesterday – of it was like October of 2017 where I was like I'm a little confused about what to do because all the people I had been reaching out to said no Mm -hmm. and so I was trying to figure out I'm like how are you going to have a conference without a keynote speaker right (laughs) everybody keeps telling you no so I just had to hear a lot of no's and then finally got started digging into like my arsenal of context and was like who do I know and that's how it started coming to life was from my connections. Right. And I think that twofold things and something that you, two things that you really said that was amazing is the fact of you will look back on it and be like, man, I could have started this, you know, and it's, it's really just 
not geeking yourself out of that first step, you know? And I think that's something that when I, when I talk to other, you know, change agents and entrepreneurs, even when I think of my own journey, it's like that first step can take years. And, And a lot of people don't understand. It's like having that confidence, finally being willing to step out on that ledge and not know, if the safety net's there, are we falling one story or 40 or like something shifts that can be crippling, you know? So having the power to overcome, that's amazing. Yeah, no. And you're so right. I think there's so many ideas that we have that we discount. And then I, I tell a lot of my clients, cause I also do brand strategy and for women. And so fear gets in the way of everything all the time. And you're like, girl, if you don't just do this right now, because I I came up with this idea or this example of like, what if you had an idea during the time when my space was popping? Like my space is no longer exists. Like, but Mm -hmm. my space had its time where it was thriving. You could have, if you had an idea and you acted on it in the moment to make money off of my space, you could have been massively successful on that platform for a moment. But it's like, if you wait to be the, you know, the second mover or one of the last movers in an industry, it's like, here you are. You're playing catch up. Playing yourself. Mm-hmm. So. No, and that, that definitely is, is super, that's a big point, you know. And that's the thing, like even, it's a fine line between like saying, okay, this is my time to do it. And then also like the, pro- the procrastination of mm-hmm. like finally just actually doing it, you know. And sometimes they do go hand in hand and you have to look back and be like, you know what, I got in my way worse than anybody else or the nose that I saw in that journal. So it's amazing, though, that you were able to be like, you know what, we're finally doing this. And now you're actually seeing those notes. Now everyone's like, hey, girl. You get way more help when you don't need it. Right. If anyone (laughs) drops out, if you need a speaker, let me know. I'll step in. (laughs) No, literally my team was like, are you seeing these emails for like 2020 speakers? I'm like, yo, like I I can't even breathe. Right. I just took the heels off y'all. Like, (laughs) give me a day. Let my scalp breathe. I'll be right back at it. But no, so that's super dope. But looking into the whole platform of your business, I got, you know, I was following along, looking at the IG stories, you know, some of the other speakers obviously were, you know, showing the content from the event um, and engaging it in myself at the mixer. Where did, you know, the concept, and I know you said it was something that was big for you, but like actually having like those religious breakout sessions in the middle of like, you know, a business or not, I want to say business, but in a motivational based setting, like, were you nervous the first time you did it? I think sometimes a lot of people think like black millennials aren't spiritual. Yeah. And I'm like, no, we are, or we have our moments. It's interesting because I don't think I was ever nervous about that part. Okay. What's interesting is that I just did what I thought made sense. And I merged the two worlds that, like, I knew and loved. And that was the reason, like, if, like, my first conference, it sold out within two weeks before the conference. And it wasn't from, the room wasn't packed with Chicago people. The room was people from freaking Dallas, Austin, New York. And I'm just like. You had out-of-towner. That's commitment. It was about 60% out-of-towners, which blew my mind because there was also a really, like, big, like, TED Talk in the city that same weekend. So I was kind of nervous, like, yo, like, are people going to show up? Is it going to shift to those events? Yeah, but the room was full. And the reason why people said that they came was because of the faith aspect. So for me, um, the reason that I decided to include faith and prayer in those sessions is really because, and I guess this is part of why I started the brand and didn't really say that part, but um, one of the things that gets in the way for women as they're building is fear. And that fear is either insecurity, doubt, you know, all these things from their past, this trauma that they've experienced. So like, for example, at this upcoming, this most recent conference, one of the things that I prayed about was like single mothers, like Mm. women that have felt the shame of being a single mother for so many years. And they don't realize that that shame is crippling them in other areas or that fear of being talked about negatively is affecting other areas in their lives. So the reason that I brought fear into, I mean, brought prayer into the mix is because 
prayer is one of the ways that you address fear because it's like, you know, you need to position yourself, yourself the way that God sees you. And so for me, I struggled so much even with fear when I got ready to launch my business. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I saw, I mean, because of prayer, I saw that transform my life. So I'm like, let me help these ladies in ways that they might not know they need help. So that's really why I brought that in the mix because like we said earlier, fear is one of the biggest things that gets in the way of people's dreams. And it's annoying because I'm sure you know somebody who's fully capable of doing amazing things, but because of whatever mind blocks in their head, mm-hmm. um, they're not able to thrive the way they could thrive because they're being crippled by fear. It's literally, I, I like to use the analogy, and yes, I stole this from a different world, but <laughs> it still is relevant. Um, basically, it was, you know, the story of the grasshopper. He got captured and lids on on the jar and he keeps hitting his head and then finally he just stops even trying but somebody takes the lid off so he has the path or she has the path you know to freedom but it's just a matter of like after so many you know go rounds and bouts and fights if it's your insecurity if it's your fear if it's you know comparing yourself to other people because comparison and I loved when Tyler said that I loved when she said I had to tell her like you were speaking directly to me and it it's a human emotion or trait to look at somebody else and be like, man, they killing it. Yep. But when you start to focus and completely like obsess and take yourself off of your game, that is another thing. It's just as bad as fear, you know? Yeah. And I talk about comparison all the time because I feel like in this day and age, we experience it way more than anybody else. Because of we social media. Social media. Even though I help my clients build on Instagram and make money on Instagram, it's a super powerful tool, but it's also extremely dangerous mm-hmm. because it's like you're looking like, why am I not getting the success? Why have I not been featured in Forbes? Why am I not on the 30 under 30 list? Why am I? And you're over here looking. Essence doesn't like me. I'm black. Like, <laughs> right. like what is going on? And like, it's like, you're like, I literally talked about this in my session is that when you try building your life around what you see other people doing, you're essentially pursuing a counterfeit de- version of your destiny. Mm-hmm. So it's like, God has a perfect plan and will for your life. But if you're so caught up looking at what somebody else is doing, you're going to be off track and you're going to like, and you're going to wonder why you're not, you're not succeeding because you're not on the path that God had for you. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like some, sometimes I really do feel God will be like, Oh, you didn't learn that lesson. Well, let's do a reset. Let's <laughs> she just will do it. Okay. <laughs> let's just wait until you get it, girl. Because if you can't handle this, you really ain't going to be able to handle that. And I was Ooh. like, well, let me just really focus on what I need to learn in this moment. Um, but another thing that I really enjoyed, you know, just from being at the mixer, I saw I, I took a step back. I was observing and looking at everyone. But what I saw was truly like strangers mm-hmm. interacting with one another. And that was something that was really beautiful for me. Because, yeah, like, I go out to events. I know it's my job to speak to people, engage, and network, and that's fine. Like, I'm in the public just like you are. But there have been moments where I have been at these events, and it's like, okay, well, I got the Jimmy Choo crowd over here, Girl. and then I know this crowd is going to be, you know, I guess what people are deeming the, the regular folks, so no one's really interacting with them, mm-hmm. or everyone's clicked up. So I really thought it was great to see, like, it was a true spirit of, like, sisterhood and synergy. Um, Have you ever experienced, is it a Chicago, I don't know, like, have you ever experienced events like that? Is is that, like, another source of pride for you in the fact of, like, your events are not like that? Like, how does that, that affect you at all? Yes. So one of the reasons I also created the conference was because I was tired of showing up in rooms that felt like that. And... I still, to this day, I speak at a lot of women's empowerment events across the country, and there are very few that don't have that segregation based on whether it be number of followers, who you're friends with. It's like all of that. And so for me, um, one of my literal prayers for my conference Lord, let there be a spirit of sisterhood in the room. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you said that, it was like, yes, okay, my prayers are answered, but... I make I make it known with my speakers. I let them know like transparency is what we value because once you're starting to be transparent from the stage, it opens up like this level of like 
openness from the crowd. And I don't really know how I've created this space for that other than like letting speakers know and that like it just always ends up being that way. So I guess there is kind of a I wouldn't necessarily say pride, but I'm just so grateful that women are able to come in the room and someone sit next to someone who has 50,000 followers on Instagram, but still be able to talk to the next girl like she's a normal human being. And so I really do value that we create spaces like that. And I get what you're saying. You know, Mm -hmm. I've seen it and it's sad because it's like, like, for example, my sister, my older sister, her name is Dartesia Pitts. And she is the previous Cook County Bar Association's like president. Okay. Um, very an, an amazing woman, super well connected in the city of Chicago, has a lot of clout, works for the lieutenant governor in um in Springfield. Okay. And the, okay. literally this girl probably got maybe fifteen hundred followers on Instagram, but she is on TV one as a legal analyst. Like, so it's like Social Why currency means nothing if you, number one, if you can't leverage it, because mm-hmm. I'm like, you can have thousands of followers and that's still not mean anything for your bank account. Exactly. Like, I don't see every one of them giving you a dollar, so, exactly. like, so it doesn't matter. But I think it's just, you said it earlier, like when it comes to people themselves or our generation, we look at social media, it, it can be crippling. Mm-hmm. But then also it does give, I think at times an inflated sense of self. You know, and so I think it's great that you're setting the tone when you're talking to your speakers, when you're, you know, talking to the audience and, you know, encouraging one another to talk to one another. I actually got some great networking in when I was there. So it was beneficial. But I think that's something that we're getting better at. And I definitely am seeing progress. Like your brand has it. So many others that I see are doing it, too. But it's still just like. You still worry about it a little bit. Yeah. But I I think for me, too, as I'm thinking about it, I think my brand just attracts a certain type of person that Mm -hmm. is, you know, like I used to think that when I would put certain things out that I would get a certain crowd and that crowd never came. Right. And so I, I really think it's just that the type of audience that I attract is open and they want to build and they want to connect and they care about genuine connections yeah so I completely totally know that the first you know moment that you stepped out and was like yes I'm gonna do this you had absolutely it was smooth sailing you got a million and five yeses (laughs) your bank account was like zero to hero just like that oh exactly you know that's the that's always the hope you want to go in like okay it's going to pop in a month. Like, we're going to do this. And then life takes hold. So what were some, like, you know, pitfalls? Or I don't even want to say pitfalls. What were some teachable moments for you that maybe when it was happening, you was like, woo, child, the ghetto. But then Girl. you were like, <laughs> I understand what it taught me. Yeah. I think one of the big things, like I said, was when I got ready to first start my conference. And I was reaching out like I had this grand idea I put together this beautiful deck that I thought was beautiful but Mm -hmm. it's not as beautiful as what I currently put out these days but I put together this deck with these amazing ideas and started sending it out to like potential speakers y'all they was telling me no they just was like they were either not at all that's worse to me than just saying yeah of like no thank you they like did not respond at all so um from there I remember getting really down like okay you know I knew who I wanted to bring in the room but I don't know so literally I just went down like my phone contacts list and started thinking about who do I actually have connections with and relationships with and that's where I started and then that helped me to leverage the audience that I wanted, uh, or the, the speakers that I wanted in the room. So, um, now literally those same speakers that I have that basically said no in the past, um, I reached out and they responded this time and were open, but then schedules didn't work out. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it taught me, you know, what are these people looking for? They want to see that you've done it before. Right. They want to see that, you know, you don't need them in the room to make their event successful, your event successful. And so sometimes you have to, you know, go through it and do the proof and for, you know, people to actually want to pay attention. And so 
I would take pictures from events that maybe only had 30 people and get really good angles and put it in a, um, you know, a document and show um, here's our vision like for the are. event. Exactly. <laughs> and then people will be able to say yes once they see, okay, here are some of the people that have been involved in the vision. So that was one of the big things. Um, any other pitfalls? I think I'm just personally hard on myself about numbers, but yeah. I think, you know, I, I was just telling my friend, like I just hit 10,000 followers on Instagram the other day. And I'm just like, I remember when there was a day where I was like so excited to hit some followers. I hit 10,000 followers and it don't feel any different, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think from a perspective of so many people look to social proof, like of, of really mastering where you're at and instead of focusing on how do I get to the next level? Focus on where you're at and serve the people where you're at. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not making money with 1,000 followers, if you're not making money with 5,000 followers, you're not going to make money with 10,000, 20,000, 100,000. They're just going to be watching the show. Right. <laughs> like, that's really it. So that's one of the big lessons learned for me was not to care so much about the numbers and care more about the impact of people's experiences. I think also that means you have to be in tune with what it, why you started and yeah. what it is that you're presenting, right? Because the thing is, you have your amazing go-getter conference. You're about black women empowerment. I can find so many different ideations of that mm -hmm. on social media. So you have to fine-tune what it is that you do that no one else can provide. That when someone has the choice of like, am I going to go here? Am I going to go there? They're going to... I want to hear what Candace has to say, you know, yeah. or I want to go to her conference or what's something that she said poured into me or spoke to me. And there, that's the great thing about, you know, differentiating yourself and diversity. Social media offers that you can find the same thing, 50 different ways sliced up, but you aren't going to find it in that individual genocide quad. Like you have to have that thing of this is what I get that you're not going to get anywhere else. Yeah. So it definitely that. Ooh, child, that's one thing I've had to hone in with myself as well. Because yeah. it's like you'll look one day and be like, am I spamming myself? <laughs> like, I know this was supposed to do way better numbers. Or my reach and engagement was supposed to be way better. But you have to keep it in focus of consistency. Yeah, and serving the audience that is following you. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people or. I'll get people that come to me or clients that'll come to me and say, oh, I want to do this. And I'm like, why do you want to do that specific thing? And it's because they saw someone else do it. And it's like, you never know why somebody is doing something that they're doing on Instagram or on social media or in life in general. And you don't know if it's working behind the scenes. Right. So you following something might not even be successful. There's so many people that are like putting content out there that are testing things out. And you over here copying something they're testing. You're copying a piece of the puzzle, not the whole, you know, thing. So it's just focus is really, really important. And knowing, like you said, why you started and making sure that you're continuing to serve the audience that you started for. Right. So, I mean, totally. And even pulling from there then and looking at your brand, and it is about positivity and empowerment, but let's keep it real. We all are human. Being a black woman in this world, in this country, it can, you know, be taxing. It's, it's fun. It's amazing. I wouldn't be nothing else, but it can be a lot. So what are some things that you do to, you know, to keep yourself focused, to keep yourself motivated? Because sadly, the assumption from people is that, Oh, you're about positivity? You got to be happy 24-7. Girl. <laughs> I've, I feel like I said this earlier is that I'm like very hard on myself. Mm -hmm. So, for example, like the conference weekend happened and I saw so many things that were like super positive. But because I'm hard on myself and I like know what I wanted something to be, I'm like this wasn't right, y'all. <laughs> like, this thing is off. And so sometimes I can focus on that stuff too much, but I always have to have people, like, reel me in. Like, people, the people around me reel me in and be like, yo, like, this might not have been the way that you wanted it to be, but think about the woman who, you know stood up and cried and shared her story and said how this impacted her. So it's like, you have to remember to put like positive people around you for when you're lacking. Um, and then for me, 
also like prayer definitely works and having like a consistency of prayer um, and just having a morning routine of like getting up, sitting with my thoughts, journaling, praying. And I find that whenever I don't do that as like I should, like my day goes pretty Mm -hmm. crazy. So um, I think the, the big thing for me is surrounding myself with people that I can be transparent with and say like, hey, today is not one of those days that I'm having a good one, right? So how... Like, I, I love sending voice notes on, inst- not Instagram, but on my iMessage. Mm-hmm. And I'll just send a friend like, hey, I just need you to pray for me. Or just telling them like, hey, this is where my head is at. Like, and then they'll bounce back with positivity. Because mm-hmm. I'm not positive all the time. Like, I'm all, I'm very hard on myself. So, and and it's something I'm working on. But at the end of the day, it's like you have to surround yourself with people who understand you and who are also not going to sow seeds of doubt when you don't need it. Yeah. I remember one time I got a response on Survey Monkey and I almost broke my computer. I was like, we're done. <laughs> I'm tired of trying to this. I'm never doing another event. And it literally, like, it, it, I was, it plagued me. Like, mm-hmm. I had so much positive feedback or constructive criticism. Yeah. And I could not stop thinking about that one anonymous person. That one. Who that was probably miserable. That probably was being <laughs> shady. And it's like, but you, you have to remember the moments when things did go right. Mm-hmm. When everything was on point. Because, for example, at the conference this weekend, it was last minute cancellations people missing their flights just stuff like that that it's like you cannot control right. so it's like you just have to hold on to the, to the piece of sanity you that you got shift. and choose to focus on the positive and i mean i had a moment at the conference where i was like yo my anxiety oh my god i can't do this so i had to pull someone aside and be like look sis can you pray for me because I don't need to get up here in front of this audience and still have this anxiety like mm-hmm. i just need to chill and be in a good headspace when I get on this stage and, you know, serve what I'm supposed to be serving. So, yeah. Yeah. That, and especially for that, it had been the very antithesis. Like, you get up there and wreck and they're like, well, girl, what did we come here <laughs> what for? <happened>? Like, <laughs> no. And that, that completely makes sense. And that's also speaking to why you have to make sure your tribe is correct. You know, so I will never forget something I saw. Sometimes people just want to sit at the table to watch you eat. They aren't bringing anything. They ain't brought a dish, you know. Not no salt, no pepper. They ain't helped you shuck peas. They, but they here though. They like they're really the there for the meal. Um, so that is important. How you, when you have those out of pocket moments, you have to pull from your team. Yeah. Um, so I saw how you cutting a rug, girl. Having a moment. I was like, okay. Christ and Megan the Stallion. I'm here for okay. this as well. It all can exist. It can. Um, so clearly, you like to let loose. You like to have fun when you are not, you know on your pinky in the brain trying to take over the world. What do you do to, like, just enjoy yourself? I love to travel, and yes. But I I wish I traveled more. I travel a lot right now. Um, One of my friends asked me, she was like, how many places have you been this year? And I sat and counted, and I counted 12. But of all of those places, like, none of them were really, like, they were all work travel. Oh but, no! You gotta get the girl. I'm about to go to Mexico though. That's why we got these braids oh, okay, in the cool. table. Okay, I was like where is your turn? <laughs> but I still try. Like whenever I am traveling, I try to do exploration around that city. Mm-hmm. I love to eat. I love to try out like food places. I like to dance. So like at the end of the day, like you saw me dancing, I would be. I can have a blast in my own hotel room or in my bedroom. Put on the right music, and we're gonna have a ball. Um, other you get thing one is, of them little Bluetooth speakers. I'm good. <laughs> like, yes. I don't need nothing else. And I love to brunch, like anything with food and, you know, a nice drink and <laughs> some friends. Um, but I've been telling my friends recently and just having um, some of the people that came in town for the conference here, I was like, I don't really have that Chicago community, which is really weird. Like, I, I don't. Oh, girl, I'll put you on. Girl. I'm so sad. Like, I mean, not sad. Obviously, I'm here and I'm loving the interview. But I'm like, yeah. my friend Brittany, Brand Chicago, yeah, the no. Bronzeville Incubator. I know all the people. Oh, I'm just like, I know all the people. <laughs> I literally know all the people. But it's like, I guess I'm always working. So it's like, people like, either don't hit tonight. me up. <laughs> See, look. So, I mean, I go, like, I go to other people's events and stuff. But I'm saying, like. Like, in college and in high school, mm-hmm. I always had a crew, like, that was like, 
yo, like, what we doing this weekend? What we getting into? And in Chicago, I don't really have that. Because gotcha. all of my friends that were here moved away. So, Understood, yeah. yeah. And then I just sit in my office that's in my house and don't leave unless I see somebody at LA Fitness. Like, <laughs> those are the people that right? I see throughout the week. So Exactly. It's like when you're in that system, it is hard to get. Oh, we'll get we'll get the rotation going back. Because <laughs> I definitely I was like, wait, there's a there's a really lit community. Yes. I love all my friends. And I'm going to need LA Fitness to put a little commercial in here. Can we run, get a mid-roll? Run them your coin. Can we okay. please? Um, also, I will take this time right now. Shout out to my trainer. He has the only black-owned CrossFit gym in Bronzeville. Oh, really? The Body Power Fitness. Randy Is that Vestra. on Indiana? It's on 47th and Drexel. Okay. Love him to death. Lost 14 pounds a month and a half. Like... No, because she's together. I asked you if you wanted to drink and you said no. Because, no, I'm not said, playing. <laughs> I have goals and asthma is not my friend. Like, I'm not out here trying to be wheezing like a Jefferson. I'm not doing it. <laughs> like, but, um, so no, even just in terms of that, like having a good time, finding that, you know, community. When it comes to, you know, I won't say judgment. Let me, let me find a better way to put this. When it just comes to what people feel a traditional Christian woman has to be, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure Trina prays as well. And I'm sorry. <laughs> Lil Kim was the album <laughs> I hid under my bed in the fifth grade. It was the worst butt woman I ever got in my life. Oh, I will, if I ever meet Lil Kim, I'll tell her I blood was drawn for you. That's how much I love you. <laughs> um, but no, so how do you balance that in, in terms of maybe, some of the the older Christians who might feel like, well, this is cute and everything, but don't be playing that, you know, hippity hoppity or you mm-hmm. need to be a certain way as a Christian woman. Yeah. And I would say, I'll be bold to say that it's not just the old Christian women that be saying this stuff. There are people that I think are very stuck on religion and not relationship with God. And one of the girls um, at the conference asked this question because she was like, you know, I'd be going to church, but I'd be like one foot in the club, one foot out. And Mm -hmm. like it was like this joke. But um, what I was saying was, is that when it comes to like your relationship with God, everybody has different convictions. They're like the Bible does not say do not go to the club. (laughs) Like it says be in the world, but not of it. Right. So. What that may mean for you may be different based on like Subjective. on your relationship mm-hmm. with God and what <laughs> things trip you up versus what trips someone else up. So there's a lot of Christians that, you know, like there was controversy even about us having a liquor sponsor at, you know, go getter conference. Like, I mean, it wasn't a ton of controversy, but I've heard from people being like, oh, well, you might want to be careful with that. And it's like, yo, like these are Christian people that if they were in their living room, they would have a glass of wine. Wasn't that so, Matthew chapter? What's the chapter where I Jesus don't know, went but to he the d- wedding? Because I would have put he the turned that water the to wine. <laughs> he didn't turn like it me. to nothing else. He said, but the Bible does say, you know. Moderation's fine. <laughs> yeah. The Bible says, do not be drunken with wine. Right. But Jesus was sitting there changing water into wine. So my thing is, Whatever your personal conviction is, then, like, that's what you should do. Like, and so for me, you know, I go spaces where I feel like I can be my full authentic self. And I encourage other people to do that, too. But if let's say if you struggle with, you know, drinking or you struggle with, Mm, you know, certain things, then maybe you shouldn't be in those spaces. Maybe those are things. But do according to what the word of God says. And some things the word of God isn't clear about, like smoking marijuana. Like, it's not clear. Like, I'm just saying. It's not. Let me find $750,000 lying on the ground somewhere. I'm just saying. And I am about to invest like I've never invested before. That's one of the things that I'm still on the fence about. Like, I just, I personally don't smoke, but... I'm like, it doesn't say it in the Bible anywhere. So it's like, there are certain things that I feel like God will deal with you if you have a relationship. In Mm -hmm. the same way, like, if you have a relationship with your mother, you know she going for certain things and you know certain things she does not go for. So if you have that relationship with God for yourself, you'll know what he's like, nah. Right. And is cool with. And that's, I think you truly hit it on the head. Like, and I found it funny because at first, when Trish was, you know... I yeah. didn't realize she was talking about you. And yeah. like she's like, I have someone. I'm like, good Lord, girl. Like, who is it you get on the show? Like, 
is she a WWE? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, she had me hyped. I'm like, either she's like really on brand for me and maybe she thinks she really off brand and so it was funny because when i realized it was you i was like oh so you think i'm a heathen trip? that's what you're saying i can't have christians on my program that's i'm joking so funny. but that's the thing you hit it on the head there's a difference between religion and a relationship religion to me and this is something i came from a very religious strict environment right mm-hmm. so i always looked at it as it's the repetition, it's the rituals, it's, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily, you can do repetition and rituals all day long. I can do a thousand crunches and still go get Krispy Kreme. So yeah. I'm not going to get abs, you know? So that isn't going to necessarily change the relationship of my body with food. Yeah. And so when I look at it in terms of just like, with God, I am, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not a, a, a every week church you know parishioner but i definitely do take my relationship with god seriously and i think that's a matter of when you have those open spaces of being able to communicate that and not feel judged and i'd be like oh child i can't go to this event it's just gonna be too much or i'm not they gonna see through me and i love how the fact that you talk the talk, but you walk the walk. And that, to me, reflects more of a, a godly mindset or Christian principles than somebody pointing their finger. Talking about something. We ain't seen you in a month of And Sundays, they be the main girl. ones talking about other people. And the Bible clearly is very clear about not gossiping. So Was I'm there not just a whole saying, passage about Paul saying to you Jezebel women who are completely thrown off this congregation? Now, I might be a heathen at times, but I'm like, I remember that If passage. you know you were, you know you were. <laughs> I'm like, just saying. I'm like, don't be like them. But um, even outside of that, looking at your brand, and, and I know you're still doing like your decompressive, like, whoo, another one's in the girl. books, girl. What is it that you want for your brand? When you think of Epic Fab Girl, when you think of, you know, you, your Candace Janae is a brand in itself. Um, the Go-Getter Conference are all extensions of that. What is it that you want in terms of like maybe some immediate goal after we get you your vacation? But <laughs> like, what are some immediate goals? What are some long term goals that you have for yourself? Yeah, so I think with Epic Fab Girl, one of the things that I'm trying to do is doing more international retreats. So we actually just launched our uh, Go Getter Getaway, which Ooh. is going to be in Riviera Maya in June. So we're really excited about that. I'll give you the dates. Yeah. Girl. <laughs> Girl, you oh, gonna get Jesus? I with. Let me some get workshops, a, a some Christ at the beach, and we <laughs> might, you know, we might be having a yacht party or something. Yeah, you know, but that's one of the things I'm trying to do more of. But I really want to do more intimate in- events because at Go Getter Conference it was cool, but then we had VIP Day, which maybe had like ten to fifteen women. Mm-hmm. But those are the environments where people can feel free to ask questions and really get what they need. So we'll probably be doing a lot more like intimate uh, experiences. Um, and then for like my personal brand, um, I'm actually I have a bunch of clients. (laughs) I'm trying not to get stressed out about that, but I'm getting ready to launch into um, doing another project that I can't wait to um, share with the world. So I'm kind of in a space of transition where like Epic Fab Girl is doing its thing, but behind the scenes, I'm like launching out into a whole new business that I've never ventured, ventured into. So I'm really excited about that. So no, that's amazing. And that's the thing of you have to take those little steps, but then it's like once they start coming together, you're like, yes, let me just jump out here. And it is yeah. balancing that is a lot because it's like, okay, are we putting it all into developing so-and-so's brand strategy? How do I, you know, still find time to balance my own? Um, so it is a, a very delicate dance, but I must say, girl, like you do it quite, quite well. Thank a lot you. of style, a lot of grace, a little spister ratchet, what we girl, all need. That is my word the tag (laughs) yes that's the tagline (laughs) um so last question love you know when it's all said and done when the brands get stripped away no one's ever gonna put in an obituary you know she worked four years for ibm she really (laughs) knew how to do those processes like (laughs) um what is it that you want you know people to truly know about you you know what you stood for what impact you feel you really were here for yeah like i just want to be known as someone who was a good representation of what it looks like to be a lover of Jesus and 
Like, I want to be one who, like, shifts mindsets. So in that same way, like, this makes me happy that you were like, I didn't know Christian girls could be on the dance floor acting like that. Like, <laughs> that that type of stuff really makes me happy. So, you know, as long as I'm known as someone that loves God and loves people, um, like, that will really make me happy. Because I, I really can't stand when people are just mean-spirited. It really irks my nerves. And that's um, when you get your non-Christian Christian friends to mm-hmm. be like, walk away real quick. Yes. And when you come back, <laughs> it's going to be a different environment. But don't ask me what happened when you walked away. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's my big thing. I just want people to know me as somebody that loves God. And that also is a good representation of him. And that isn't judgmental. And yeah, that's, I mean, in a nutshell, that shifts that, culture. right? Like. That is what it should be about. And and I love how it was, you know, more so focused on those intangible things. Because it's like, you can get buried with all the money you want. You can have had as many followers as you want. And it will not be anything that could have been, you know, translated into your worth or Girl, what it is that you left. So. Heaven and earth will one day pass away. So none of this matters. <laughs> Tell that to our president. Well, you know what? <laughs> We're going to end on a great note. <laughs> Thank you so much, love, for being on the show. Truly enjoyed having you. Thank um, you. I'm honored. I feel like, yay. I get to like talk to you after Girl, your... this felt like this was great. See? <laughs> Next time we'll have like a tea session. Have a good chamomile that I I do enjoy. But um, thank you so much uh, for being on, everybody. This was the amazing Candice Janae, founder and creator of the Go-Getter Conference, as well as Epic Fab Girl. Um, And as always, it's your girl Joy Has Questions, so I will catch you all next week for another amazing episode. Hey, my loves. So today's motivational message is based on something that I must, you know, remind myself constantly is the closer you get to your destiny, the more the enemy will try and attack you. The closer that you get to fulfilling what you feel your purpose is, the closer you get to the finish line, the harder it is. Um, We are heading into this amazing thing known as the Bank of America Chicago Marathon. And for years I worked on the production for it literally pulled like 36 hour, you know, shifts, no sleep, making sure that this was something that went seamless because I worked for what? A news station. But the one thing that I always remember when we were in these pre-production meetings, then I would literally be sitting in there with like world renowned runners, people who had been, you know, former Olympians now turned, uh, you know, broadcasters for this event. And they always used to talk about the curve, the hill, how Chinatown, you know, mile 20 is the mile that breaks so many runners because you're so close to exhaustion. You're right at the end and now you have to continue and go and finish out the race. And what really imprinted on me is the fact that when you get to that level of you are right there at the finish line, you are right there ready to touch and reach what has been promised to you, your alignment with the stars, with the universe, with whatever heavenly body or power you believe in, or maybe you don't believe in one, but that is when you will find the hardest part of the journey. That is when your legs will start to lock up. That is when outside that it'll start to rain or, you know, now it is cold as hell or maybe it is hot as all hell. You don't know what will happen. But can you persevere? Can you ignore the bullshit? Can you really just take a step back and say, you know what, I am not going to let these outside influences dictate my greatness, dictate the medal that I know I am supposed to get at the finish line, dictate or minimize everything that I have worked for. You don't train your whole life for a marathon of that magnitude to fall the fuck apart. You don't go through what you go through, every struggle, every heartache, every disappointment, every dream that you have to now and when you get right there to let someone who is so minuscule and so small and totally not on your level and threatened by your greatness and will never understand the vision you don't have the time the leeway to allow that person hell it can even be the inner inward thoughts of yourself that is really trying to destruct Or I should say, what is really trying to distract you from where you're supposed to be. You don't have the time for it. Don't let mile 20 be the mile that breaks you. Don't let somebody telling you 
what they feel your results are or what your impact is or what you are bringing to the table be what is sitting here and holding you back from really crossing over to the finish line. Because I tell you right now, best believe they will not be with you at that finish line. They will not be with you to say, hey, I knew that person. You will not care one single solitary fuck about how anybody else felt. Because when you cross that finish line, when you get to that end, when you really hit that goal, only thing that you will think of is having gratitude and just true, sincere appreciation for the fact that you were able to make it. Don't let yourself get in the way of your greatness. Don't let somebody else tell you what they feel you know you should be doing. You block it out and you keep moving forward. You do not have the opinions of barnyard chickens when you are out here trying to be an eagle. That's all I have to say. Might sound homespun at the end. May not match the running analogy I was making. But a point is a point. Don't let mile 20 fuck up the rest of your life. I hope everyone has an amazing week. I hope you all continue to go for the goal and accomplish your goals and don't let anything stop you. And I will holler at you all later with another episode. Your girl Joy Has Questions is out.